irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Omaha Beach was the code name for one of the five sectors of the Allied invasion of German-occupied France in the Normandy landings on June 6, 1944, during World War II. Omaha is located on the coast of Normandy, France, facing the English Channel, and is five miles, or eight kilometers long, from East saint Horine de pertes to west of Vervy-sur-Mer, on the right bank of the Douve River, Landings here were necessary in order to link up the British landing to the east at Gold with the American landing to the west at Utah, thus providing a continuous lodgment on the Normandy coast off the Bay of the Seine. Taking Omaha was to be the responsibility of the United States Army troops with sea transport and naval artillery support provided by the U.S. Navy and elements of the British Royal Navy. On D-Day, the untested 29th Infantry Division, along with nine companies of U.S. Army Rangers, redirected from Point de Hall were to assault the western half of the beach. The battle-hardened 1st Infantry Division was given the eastern half. The initial assault waves consisting of tanks, infantry, and combat engineer forces were carefully planned to reduce the coastal defense and to allow the larger ships of the follow-up waves to land. The primary objective at Omaha 
was to secure a beachhead of some five miles between Port and Besson and the Vire River, linking with the British landings at Gold to the east and reaching the area of Inskini to the west to link up with the Seven Corps landing at Utah. Opposing the landings was the German 352nd Infantry Division, a large portion of whom were teenagers, though they were supplemented by veterans who had fought on the Eastern Front. The 352nd had never had any battalion or regimental training. Of the 12,000 men of the division, only 7,000 were experienced combat troops, detailed to defend a 33-mile-long or 53-kilometer front. The Germans were largely deployed in strong points along the coast. The German strategy was based on defeating any seaborne assault at the waterline. Nevertheless, Allied calculations indicated that Omaha's defenses were three times as strong as those as they encountered during the Battle of Kowalgilin, and its defenders were four times as many. Very little went as planned during the landing at Omaha. Difficulties in navigation caused the majority of landing craft to miss their targets throughout the day. The defenses were unexpectedly strong and inflicted heavy casualties on landing U.S. troops. Under heavy fire, the engineers struggled to clear the beach obstacles. Later landings bunched up around the few channels that were cleared. Weakened by the casualties taken just in landing, the surviving assault troops could not clear the heavily defended exits off the beach. This caused further problems and consequent delays for later landings. Small penetrations were eventually achieved by groups of survivors, making improvised assaults, scaling the bluffs between the most heavily defended points. By the end of the day, two small isolated footholds had been won, which were subsequently exploited against weaker defenses further inland, thus achieving the original D-Day objectives over the following few days. There were originally 17 sectors along the Normandy coastline with code names taken from one of the spelling alphabets of the time. From Abel west of Omaha to Roger on the east flank of the invasion area. Eight further sectors were added when the planned invasion was extended to include Utah on the Cotinan Peninsula. Sectors were further subdivided into beaches identified by colors, green, red, and white. Omaha was bound at either end by large, rocky cliffs. A crescent-shaped beach presented a gentle sloping tidal area averaging 300 yards, or 275 meters, between the low and high-water marks. Above the tide line, 
was a bank of shingle eight feet or three meters high and up to 15 yards or 14 meters wide in some places. At the western end, the shingle bank rested against a stone, further east becoming wood. Seawall, which ran from four to twelve feet, or one and a half to four meters in height. For the remaining two-thirds of the beach after the seawall ended, the shingle lay against a low sand embankment. Behind the sand embankment and seawall lay a level of shelf of sand narrow at either end and extending up to 200 yards or 180 meters inland to the center. Steep encarpments or bluffs then rose 100 to 170 feet or 30 to 50 meters, dominating the whole beach and cut into sm- by small wooden valleys or draws at five points along the beach. Code name for these draws or valleys west to east was D1, D3, E1, E3, and F1. German defense preparations and the lack of any defense in depth indicated that their plan was to stop the invasion at the beaches. Four lines of obstacles were constructed in the water. The first, a non-contiguous line, was a small gap in the middle of dog white and a larger gap across the whole of easy red was 270 yards or 250 meters out from the high water line and consisted of 200 Belgian gates with mines latched to the uprights. Some 32 yards or 30 meters behind these was a continuous line of logs driven into the sand pointing seaward every third one capped with an anti-tank mine. This method was not as effective as Germans would have wished. Another 32 yards or 30 meters shoreward of this line was a continuous line of 450 ramps sloping towards the shore, also with mines attached and designed to force flat-bottom landing craft to ride up and either flip or detonate the mine. The final line of obstacles was a continuous line of hedgehogs 165 yards or 150 meters from the shoreline. The area between the shingle bank and the bluffs was both wired and mined and mines were also scattered on the bluff slopes. To some extent, the German barricades set up to prevent tanks advancing on the shores became useful to Allied infantry as they provided cover for machine gun and small arms fire. Coastal troop deployments comprising five companies of infantry were concentrated mostly at 15 strong points called Wilderstand Muster, or Resistance Nests, numbered WN60 to the east through WN74 
near Verville in the west. Located primarily around the entrances to the draws and protected by minefields and wires. Positions with each strong point were interconnected by trenches and tunnels, as well as the basic weaponry of rifles and machine guns. A total of over 60 light artillery pieces were deployed at these strong points. The heaviest pieces were located in an eight-gun casements and four open positions, while the lighter guns were housed in 35 pillboxes. A further 18 anti-tank guns completed the disposition of artillery targeting the beach. Areas between the strong points were lightly manned with occasional trenches, rifle pits, and a further 85 machine gun emplacement. No area of the beach was left uncovered, and the disposition of weapons meant that flanking fire could be brought to bear anywhere along the beach. Allied intelligence identified the coastal defenses as being manned by a reinforced battalion of 800 to 1,000 men of the 716th German Infantry Division. This was a static defensive division estimated to contain up to 50% of non-German troops, mostly Russian volunteers and German Volksdeutsche the recently activated but capable 352nd German Infantry Division was identified as being located 20 miles or 30 kilometers inland of St. Lo and was regarded as the most likely force to be committed to a counterattack. However, as part of Rommel's strategy to concentrate defenses at the water's edge, the 352nd was ordered forward in March, taking over responsibility for the defense of Normandy coast where Omaha was located. As part of this reorganization, the German 352nd also took under command the two battalions of this German 726th Grenadier Regiment, as well as the German 439th Ost Battalion that had been attached to the 726. Omaha Beach fell mostly within Coast Defense Sector 2 for the Germans, stretching westward from Colville and allocated to the 916th Grenadier Regiment with the 3rd Battalion 726 Grenadier Attachment. Two companies of the 726 manned strong points in the Verville area while two companies of the German 916th occupied the St. Lawrence area strong points at the center of Omaha. These positions were supported by artillery of the 1st and 4th Battalion of the 352nd German Artillery Regiment. They had 12 105mm and four 150mm howitzers respectively. The two remaining companies of the 906 German formed the reserve at Formengeny, two miles or three kilometers inland, east of Corleville, coast defense 
Defense Sector 3 was the responsibility of the remainder of the 722nd, 726th German Grenadier Regiment. Two companies were deployed at the coast, one in the most easterly series of strong points, with artillery support provided by the 3rd Battalion of the German 352nd Artillery Regiment. The area reserve, comprising of two battalions of the German 915th Grenadier Regiment and known as Kramgrupp Meyer, was located southeast of Bayou, outside the immediate Omaha area. The failure to identify the reorganization of defenses was a rare intelligence breakdown for the Allies. Post-action reports still documented the original estimate and assumed that the German 352nd had been deployed to the coastal defense by chance only a few days previously as part of his anti-invasion exercise. The source of this inaccurate information came from a German prisoner of war from the 352nd German Infantry Division captured on D-Day as reported by the U.S. 16th Infantry S3 D-Day Action Report. In fact, Allied intelligence had already become aware that the relocation of the 352nd German Infantry Division on June 4th, two days before the assault. This information was passed on to the 5th Infantry Corps and 1st Infantry Division headquarters through the 1st U.S. Army. However, at this late stage in the operation, no plans were changed. The Plan of Attack Omaha was divided into 10 beaches, code name from west to east, Abel, Baker, Charlie, Dog, Dog Green, Dog White, Dog Red, Easy Green, Easy Red, Fox Green, and Fox Red. The initial assault was to be made by two regimental combat teams, also known as RCTs, supported by two tank battalions with two battalions of rangers also attached. The infantry regiments were organized into three battalions, each of around a thousand men. Each battalion was organized as a three rifle companies, each of up to 240 men, and support company of up to 190 men. Infantry companies A through D belong to the 1st Battalion of a regiment, E through H to the 2nd, I through M to the 3rd. Incidentally, the letter J was never used. In addition to each battalion, had a headquarters company of up to 180 men. The tank battalions consisted of three companies, A through C, each of 16 tanks, while the Ranger battalions were organized into six companies, A through F, of around 
65 men per company. The American 116th of the 29th Infantry Division was to land two battalions on the western four beaches to be followed 30 minutes later by a third battalion. The landings were to be supported by the tanks of the 743rd Tank Battalion. Two companies swimming ashore in amphibious DD tanks and the remaining companies landing directly onto the beach from the assault craft. To the left of the 116th Regimental Combat Team, the 16th Regimental Combat Team of the 1st Infantry Division was also to land two battalions, with the third following 30 minutes after, on beaches Easy Red and Fox Green at the eastern end of Omaha. Their tank support was to be provided by the 741st Tank Battalions, again two companies swimming ashore, and the third landed conventionally. Three companies of the 2nd Ranger Battalion were to be taken and take a fortified battery at Point Du Ho, three miles or five kilometers west of Omaha. Meanwhile, C Company, 2nd Rangers, was to land on the right of the 116th and take the position at Point de la Percy. The remaining companies of the 2nd Rangers and the 5th Ranger Battalion were to follow up at Point du Ho if that action provided to be successful. Otherwise, they were to follow the 116th onto Beach Dog Green and proceed to Point du Ho overland. The landings were scheduled to start on D-Day at 6.30 H-hour. A flooding tide preceded by a 40-minute naval and 30-minute aerial bombardment of the beach defenses, with the DD tanks arriving five minutes before H-hour. The infantry were organized into specifically equipped assault sections, 32 men strong, one section to a landing craft, with each section assigned specific objectives in reducing the beach defenses. Immediately behind the first landings, the Special Engineer Task Force was to land with the mission of clearing and marking lanes through the beach obstacles. This would allow larger ships of the follow-up landings to get through safely at high tide. The landing of artillery support was scheduled to start at H hour plus 90 minutes, while the main buildup of vehicles was to start at H hour plus 180 minutes. At H hour plus 195 minutes, two further regimental combat teams, the 115th RCT of the 29th Infantry Division and the 18th RCT of the 1st Infantry Division were to land 
with the 26th RCT of the 1st Infantry Division to be landed on the orders of the Phi Corps commander. The objective was for the beach defenses to be cleared by H hour plus two hours, whereupon the assault sections were to reorganize, continuing the battle in battle formations. The draws were to be open to allow traffic to exit the beach by H hour plus three hours. By the end of the day, the forces at Omaha were to have established a bridgehead five miles or eight kilometers deep, linked up with the British 50th 50th Division, which landed at Gold to the east, and be in position to move on Insigne the next day, linking up with the American 7 Corps at Utah to the west. The assault force expected to execute this plan totaled over 34,000 men and 3,000 vehicles with naval support provided by two battleships, three cruisers, 12 destroyers, and 105 other ships. These were provided predominantly by the U.S. Navy, but also included British and free French warships. The, the, the 16th RCT numbered 10,000 troops, 900 vehicles, and 50 tanks. To move this force required two transport ships, six landing ships, tank LSTs, five landing craft infantry, and 13 other craft. Assault craft were crewed by the U.S. Navy, U.S. Coast Guard, and the British Royal Navy. Despite these preparations, very little went according to plan. Ten landing craft were swamped by the rough seas before they reached the beach and several others stayed afloat only because their passengers bailed water out with their helmets. Seasickness was prevalent among the troops waiting offshore. On the 16th RCT front, the landing boats passed struggling men in life preservers and on rafts, survivors of the DD tanks, which had sunk in the rough sea. Navigation of the landing vehicles was made difficult by the smoke and mists obscuring the landmarks they were to use in guiding themselves in, while a heavy current pushed them continually eastward. As the boats approached to within a few hundred yards of shore, they came under increasingly heavy fire from automatic weapons and artillery. The forces discovered only then that the ineffectiveness of the pre-landing bombardment, delayed by the weather and attempting to avoid the landing craft as they ran in, the bombers had dropped their ordnance too far inland, detonating some landmines that were planted by Germans 
but having no real effect on coastal defenses. Because sea conditions were so rough, the decision was made for the 116th RCT to carry the DD tanks of the 743rd Tank Battalion all the way to the beach after 27 of the initial 29 DD tanks of the 741st Tank Battalion swamped while wading ashore. Coming in opposite the heavily defended Vervel Draw, Company B of the 743rd Tank Battalion lost all but one of its officers and half of its DD tanks. However, the other two companies landed to the left of B743 without initial losses. On the 16th RCT front, the two DD tanks from the 741st Tank Battalion that had survived the swim ashore were joined by three other tanks that were landed directly onto the beach because of their LCT-damaged ramp. The remaining tank company managed to land 14 of its 16 tanks. Captain Merrill, Richard Merrill of the 2nd Ranger Battalion was to quoted when he landed with his infantry on the beach at Omaha I was the first one out the seventh man was the next one to get across the beach without being hit all the ones in between were hit two were killed three were injured that was how lucky you had to be Of the nine companies landing in the first wave, only Company A of the 116th RCT at Beach Dog Green and the Rangers to their right landed where intended. E-116 aiming for Easy Green ended up scattered across two beaches of the 16th RCT area. G-116, aiming for Dog White Beach, opened up a 1,000-yard or 900-meter gap between themselves and A-116 to their right when they landed at Beach Easy Green instead. I-116 drifted so far east that it did not land for another hour and a half. As infantry disembarked from the landing craft, they often found themselves on sandbars 50 to 100 yards or 45 to 90 meters out. To reach the beach, they had to wade through water, sometimes neck deep, and then they still had 200 yards or 180 meters or more to go when they did reach the shore. Those that made it to the shingle did so at a walking pace because they were so heavily laden. Most sections had to brave the full weight of fire from small arms 
mortars, artillery, and interlocking fields of heavy machine gun fire. Where the naval bombardments had set grass fires burning, as it had at Red Dog, Dog Red Beach, opposite the German Les Molins strong point, the smoke obscured the landing troops and prevented effective fire from being laid down by the Germans. Some sections of G-116 and F-116 were able to reach the shingle bank relatively unscathed, though the latter became disorganized after the loss of their officers. G-116 was able to retain some cohesion, but this was soon lost as they made their way westward under fire along the shingle in an attempt to reach their assigned objectives. The scattering of the boats was most evident on the 16th RCT front, where parts of the E-116th, F-116th, and G-116th had intermingled, making it difficult for sections to come together to improvise company assaults that might have reversed the situation caused by the mislandings. Those scattered sections of E-116 landing at Beach Easy Red were able to escape heavy casualties, although having encountered a deep run after being landed on a sandbank. They were forced to discard most of their weapons and make the swim ashore. Casualties were heaviest among the troops landing at either end of Omaha. In the east at Beach Fox Green and the adjacent stretch of Beach Easy Red, scattered elements of three companies were reduced to half strength by the time they gained the relative safety of the shingle, many of them having crawled the 300 yards of beach just ahead of the incoming tide. Within 15 minutes of landing at Beach Dog Green on the western end of the beach, A-116 had been cut to pieces. The leaders among the 120 or so casualties the survivors reduced to seeking cover at the water's edge or behind German obstacles. The small ranger company to their right had fared little better, having made the shelter of the bluffs, but were also down to half strength. L-16 eventually landed 30 minutes late to the left of Fox Green, taking casualties as the boats ran in and more as they crossed the 200 yards of beach. The terrain at the very eastern end of Omaha, however, gave them enough protection to allow the 125 survivors to organize and begin the assault of the bluffs. They were the only company in the first wave able to operate as a unit. All the other companies were, at best, disorganized, mostly leaderless and pinned down behind the shingle with no hope of carrying out their assault mission. At worst, they had ceased to exist as fighting units. Nearly all had landed at least a few hundred yards off target and in intricately planned operation where 
each section on each boat had been assigned in a specific task. This was enough to throw off the entire plan. Now was the engineer's turn. Like the infantry, the engineers had been pushed off their targets, and only five of the 16 teams arrived at their assigned locations. Three teams came in where there were no infantry or armor to cover them. Working under heavy fire, the engineers set about their task of clearing gaps through the beach obstacles. Work made more difficult by loss of equipment and by infantry passing through or taking cover behind the obstacles they were trying to blow up. They also suffered heavy casualties as enemy fire set off the explosives they were working with. Eight men of one team were dragging the, their preloaded rubber boat off the landing craft when artillery hit. Only one survived the resulting detonation of their supplies. Another engineering team had just finished laying its explosives when the area was struck by mortar fire. The premature explosion of the charges killed or wounded 19 combat engineers, as well as some nearby infantry. Nevertheless, the engineers succeeded in clearing six gaps, one each at Beach's Dog White, Easy Green, on the 116th RCT front line, the other four at Beach's Easy Red on the 16th RCT front line. However, as a whole, the combat engineers suffered casualties of over 40%. Now comes the second assault wave. With the initial targets unaccomplished, the second and larger wave of assault landings brought in reinforcements, support weapons, and headquarter elements at 7 a.m., only to face nearly the same difficulties as had the first wave. The only advantage enjoyed by the second wave was that it was larger, so that the defender's fire was less concentrated. The survivors of the first wave were unable to provide effective covering fire, and in places the fresh landing troops suffered casualty rates as high as those of the first wave. Failure to clear paths through the beach obstacles also added to the difficulties of the second wave. In addition, the incoming tide was beginning to hide the remaining obstacles, causing high attrition among the landing craft before they had reached the shore. As in initial landings, difficult navigation caused disruptive mislandings scattering the infantry and separating vital headquarter elements from their units. On the 116th RCT front, the remainder of the 1st Battalion were due to land and support at Beach Dog Green. Three boats, including their headquarters and Beach Master Groups, landed too far west under the cliffs. 
Their exact casualties in getting across the beach were unknown, but the one-third to one-half that made it to shore spent the rest of the day pinned down by snipers. Not all sections of the badly scattered 116th landed there, but those that did were quickly to force forced to join those surviving the A-116th, fighting for survival at the water's edge. Two companies of second rangers coming in later on edge of Beach Dog Green did manage to reach the seawall, but at a cost of half their strength. To the left of Beach Dog Green sat Beach Dog White between Verville and Los Molins strong points. And here was a different story. As a result of earlier mislandings, and now because of their own mislanding, the troops of C-116 found themselves alone at Beach Dog White, with only a handful of tanks from the first wave in sight. The smoke from the grass fires covering their advance up the beach They gained the seawall with few casualties and were in better shape than any unit in the 116th RCT so far. Although the 1st Battalion was effectively disarmed of its heavy weapons when the D-116th suffered a disastrous landing, the buildup at Beach Dog White continued. C-116th was joined by 5th Ranger Battalion almost in its entirety. The ranger commander, recognizing the situation at Beach Dog Green, on the run-in ordered the assault craft to divert to Beach Dog White. Like the C-116th, the smoke covered their advance, although the second rangers were caught out on the right flank of the ranger's landing. This is was where the 116th RCT Regimental Command Group, including the 29th Division Assistant Commander Brigadier General Norman Dutchkota was able to land relatively unscathed. Further east, the strong point defenses were effective. On the Beach Dog Red Easy Green boundary, the defenses around the Les Molins strong point took a heavy toll on the remaining 2nd Battalion. The survivors joined the remnants of F-116 behind the shingle, and here the battalion commander was able to organize 50 men for an improvised advance across the shingle. However, a further advance up the bluffs just east of Los Molins was too weak to have any effect and was forced back down. To their left, mainly between the draws on Easy Green and Easy Red Boundary, the 116th Support Battalion landed without too much loss, although they did become scattered, and were too disorganized to play an immediate part in the assault of the bluffs. On the 116th RCT front, the eastern end of Easy Red was another area between strong points, allowing G-16 and the support battalions to escape complete destruction in their advance up the beach. Nevertheless, most of G-16's 63 casualties for the day came before they had reached the shingle. 
the other 2nd Battalion Company landed in the second wave. H-16 came in a few hundred yards to the left, opposite of the E-3 draw, and suffered for it. They were put completely out of action for several hours. On the easternmost beaches, Fox, Green, elements of five different companies had been entangled and the situation was little improved by the equally disorganized landings of the second wave. Two more companies of the 3rd Battalion joined in the melee, and having drifted east in the first wave, I-16 finally made the traumatic landing at Fox Green at 8 a.m. Two of the six boats were swamped on their detour to the east. As they came in under fire, three of the four remaining boats were damaged by artillery, or mines, and the fourth was hung up on an obstacle. A captain from this company found himself senior officer and in charge of the badly out of shape 3rd Battalion. Survivors of C Company 2nd Rangers in the first wave landed on Daw Green around 6.45 a.m. By 7.30, they had scaled the cliffs near Dog White and the Verville Draw. They were joined later by a mislanded section from B-116th, and the group spent the better part of the day trying to eventually taking the pillbox, which defended the draw at D-1 in Verville. At 7.50, there was a charge off Dog Green between Section 68 and Section 70 by forcing gaps in the wire with a Bangalore torpedo and wire cutters. Twenty minutes later, the 5th Rangers joined the advance and blew more openings. The command party established themselves at the top of the bluff and elements joined them, having earlier moved laterally along the beach and now the narrow front had widened to the east. Before 9 a.m., small parties reached the crest just east of Dog White. The right flank of this penetration was covered by the survivors of 2nd Rangers A and B companies, who had independently fought their way to the top between 8 and 8.30. They took Section 70 and joined the 5th Rangers for the move inland. By 9 a.m., more than 600 American troops in groups ranging from company size to just a few men had reached the top of the bluffs opposite Dog White, and were advancing inland. Okay. The foothold gained on D-Day in Omaha itself. Two isolated pockets were the most tenuous across all the D-Day beaches. With the original objective yet to be achieved, the priority for the Allies was to link up all the Normandy beachheads. During the course of June 7th, while still under random shell fire, the beaches was prepared as a supply area. Supply cargo ships were deliberately sunk to form an artificial breakwater, while still less than planned, 1,400 tons of stores were landed that day.
your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.